Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Chilbert, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's Chief Information Officer and co-chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council. Chris, great to have you back on the program. It's been a while. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Jason. Happy to be here. We're talking today about two specific things. First of all, we're going to talk about this, your role as the co-chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council, and then we'll get into the, the specifics about what's happening at the CFPB around IT and your priorities there. And one of the reasons I had reached out to you initially was the Small Agency CIO Council put out a Small Agency CIO and IT Executive Handbook, and that's where I want to start. Let's just talk about the handbook a little bit, the goals behind it, the reasons you put it out. Give me some of the, the, the background. I'll start first a little bit talking about the Small Agency CIO Council. So the Small Agency CIO Council is a subcommittee of the the Federal CIO Council. And the purpose of it is to provide a community for the many different small agencies that are independent and aren't necessarily part of a, a larger agency. So there's somewhere around 100 different small agencies. And they face many of the same challenges of the large agencies. So the the expectations in our current world is to have a you know, strong digital presence. We have uh, both by the employees and by the, the, con- the public that they serve. So, so there's, a, there's a lot of, of challenges that all the small agency CIOs face. Uh, as you know, there's a, there is a large agency uh, or a, a CIO handbook that was put out by the Federal CIO Council for new CIOs, and that's a great reference, and you can consider that a, a reference guide. As we were talking to some of the small agency CIOs, we, what we found was that many people coming into that role, one, often it's, the, it's a stepping stone. It might be their first executive role. Many times they have other responsibilities other than being the CIO, so they may have come out of a community that, that wasn't necessarily IT-focused before they took that job, or they may wear many different hats in their current job. They don't have as big or as, as strong of a team. I shouldn't say as strong, as, but as many different uh, leaders underneath them with different specialties. So when, as we were talking, we realized that there was a, a gap in, in what references and resources that they had. So that's, where, that's what that uh, book was uh, designed to do. One of the things about the Small Agency Council that I think we in, in, in the federal sector and the federal community lose sight of is a cyber attack against the CFPB, as an example, can be just as problematic as a cyber attack against USDA or Interior. You hold a lot of data. You deal with a lot of different people. And you don't necessarily always, as you said, have the resources that a large agency has just because of size. And sometimes CIOs come in with a background in technology but business side but not necessarily the really deep side. And I think this is what this handbook is trying to say is here's the things you need to know and here's why you need to know them. And then here are things you can do to to get better at cyber, at digital services, at whatever. Walk through the handbook a little bit. What are some of those chapters we should pay attention to? Yeah, sure. So that's exactly right. So no one, you don't get a pass being a small agency uh, when it comes to cybersecurity threats, right? So this, the threats that the large agency face are the same threats that the small agencies face. The sensitivity of the, da- the data that you're handling are, is often just as sensitive, personal information, potentially personal health information, things like that. So you still have the same responsibilities. So coming into the the role, what are the what the handbook does is it lays out a lot of the the things that you need to be thinking about uh, when you take that job, and, and it poses a lot of things uh, in terms of questions to ask yourself to help design a plan to figure out right what what do I need to focus on first right because again if you're if you're walking into one of these roles. Even if you did have a technology background, often it's going to be in one specific discipline, and 
So this helps provide a, a, a greater sense of what the breadth of things you need to be thinking about and helping, helping you put together a plan to be able to, to deal with those things. Did you find as you started to run through this, there were specific holes or challenges that small agency CIOs face beyond the, the ones we know about, right? Resources, maybe a smaller staff size, skilled, but, but you know, if you have five people to do cyber, USDA, Interior, Commerce may have 20 or 40 people, and that, that makes a big difference even, even size. Or, or did you just try to start at the beginning and say, the God created the Klinger Cohen Act, and then we went from there? I think it was a little bit of both, right? So when we initially were brainstorming about what to do, and I, and I actually should also call out the fact that we got a lot of support from this from, uh, from GSA, so the Office of Government-Wide Policy under Tom Santucci and Karen Balsa. When we were talking about it, we thought it would be a lot smaller guide. And, and then we started reaching out to some of the folks that are part of the small agency community and, and you know, ask them what are the things that they're facing. And so we tried to base it off what, what are the things what are the issues that people are struggling with or have questions on or, and trying to deal with? And then you can use that to help guide the development of the overall handbook. And I'll give Tom Santucci full credit there. I think that's where I saw he posted it on LinkedIn. And I'll just have to I'll, I'll nitpick at you, okay? There's no sure. date on it. I didn't know if this was a brand new one or if this was being posted a, 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 like, oh, this was done in 2010 and we're posting it again as a good reminder. So I'll just nitpick at you a little bit. Is that yeah, okay? so that's absolutely fine. And, <laughs> and it's in, no, this is a it was it was conceived of last summer, I think. And, you know, with we put it together over a very relatively short period of time. So, again, a lot of a lot of input from various leaders, small agency CIOs. Uh, they, they sat down for interviews with the, with the uh, OGP team. And you know, provided some feedback as we you know, created a few different drafts, and and then we uh, you know, completed it around last January or so. So it was it was done within probably one quarter, uh, really quickly. And then give me a reason to reach out to you as well, because I think I saw your name at the bottom, or, or you were one of the authors. You and your the co-chairman is uh, the gentleman from OMB. Yeah, Tony McDonald. Yep. So uh, appreciate the fact that you're able to give me a reason for us to sit down and, and catch up again. One of the things that when you talked about what the challenges were when you got the feedback. Offer me some of those things that stood out to you. Were you anything you were surprised by? You were at a large agency. You've now at a small agency, so you've seen both sides of the coin. I think that one of the things I, was, I wasn't expecting to see or was a little bit surprised by, but it makes sense as I thought about it, was people were asking for some more guidance around leadership and leading a technology, a large technology team. So again, some folks came out of like the business side of IT, as you said, or from a more of a, a business function. Some came out of a very specific uh, area of technology and didn't have the full breadth. And so they were asking, how do I create a vision for a technology team? And how do I put together a roadmap for the things I want to do? And so we did spend some time thinking about what are, how do we help people develop as a leader? Because this is, again, many times their first significant leadership position. Um, not to say that in a functional leadership isn't big, but this is a, probably the, the, a bigger leadership role with a lot more uh, breadth to the scope of it. And many times, and maybe I'll ask you to wait and put your other hat on from CFPB, you're meeting with the leadership of that agency very often. You're meeting with the chairman or the director or whatever their titles are versus if you're the CIO at EPA, you may not meet with the EPA administrator, but monthly or, or biweekly or you know, kind of right. less often just because of the size of the agency and how busy – and the number of direct reports, is, is that true? Is that, is that part of this that you ha- you're managing differently? Absolutely. So in a small agency, you're very much closer to that mission. So you're dealing 
with the really closely with the folks that are delivering the mission on a day-to-day basis as well as the other executives across that organization. And the expectations that you have deep knowledge across the board are, are pretty significant, right? And so, again, at a, at a large agency, you, when, I've, when I've been working there, you have executive leadership in different functional roles that you can rely on for some of that depth. In this case, uh, in, any, in any small agency, you're going to be deal with, dealing with the, the top leadership on a, on a fairly regular basis and providing recommendations to them. When you look at some of the priorities of the, this administration, actually previous administrations, regardless of um, the party, technology is a big part of that and providing a good a customer experience to the citizens of the country is, is in, in that, and the expectations are increasing. So that's, that's part of it as well. Just, again, I'll ask you put your CFPB hat on. Do you meet with the commissioners or, or how often? And is it weekly, monthly, daily? And, and, and do you get questions that maybe you wouldn't expected to get if you were a large agency CIO in some ways? I don't have a regular check-in. We, we do check in uh, with the director on a you know, fairly regular basis. It's not, it's not a set schedule. The deputy director deal with a lot much, much more often. The deputy director is more uh, related in, involved in the, the day-to-day operations of the organization. That said, in a small agency, you have to always be ready for someone reaching out. So the, you know, the director, if they have, the director has a question, they'll reach out directly via Teams or via or email. Uh, that wouldn't happen at a very large agency. You're not gonna you're not gonna hear from the top out of the blue. So that's something that could happen to you. And so you have to be ready for things like that. It sounds very similar to, to the deputy secretary of these large agencies. They commonly called the COO, chief operating officer. It sounds very similar to yeah, correct. Yeah. So when you talk about leadership, what were some of those? What, what advice did you decide to come up with? It can sometimes be. Very simple, straightforward, and people go, well, no, duh. Thanks, Chris. You told right. me to be a leader and, and have conversations. And But what, is it different for a small agency? Is there any anything that you guys, as you put together this handbook, said, hey, this is maybe something that folks don't do enough of or could do more of and they maybe don't think about it in, in the same way? I mean, we didn't get into some basic leadership principles. I mean, some of it, you know, obviously, I mean, people take leadership courses, things like that. When you specifically apply that, though, to what are the expectations of you as a CIO to be a leader, to create a vision, and then, you know, walking through the different aspects of a technology organization and then thinking about how do it when, when you say, hey, it's, it's easy to say, hey, go create a vision for your technology organization, what you want to do. Uh, we tried to take that to the next level and say, okay, what questions do I need to ask myself and what, what questions do I need to ask our partners in the business side of the organization in order to, to create a coherent vision and then create a plan to actually implement that vision and, and things like that. So we tried to give people very specific guidance and ways of thinking about going about doing that. And so it wasn't just starting out fresh and, and you know, having that very general guidance, like you said, hey, yeah, just it's easy to do. Just uh, go be a, a fantastic leader. You said that came out a lot during those interviews and, and some of the preparation for it. You mentioned because sometimes folks come from a different background or come from a, a very specific discipline. Is that why they were asking this? Because all of a sudden now they're in charge of so many different pieces and parts? Or what else were they asking for? What made that raise to the top as one of the, the big areas you wanted to focus on? Yeah. And part of it came from you know people that were that in some of the agencies are that, that are especially small, that they have, they may, again, be given responsibility for executing this technology portfolio without really having a background on it. So, and when, you know, again, they might understand basic application development or certain aspects of when you start to throw the whole infrastructure and operations on top of that, and then cybersecurity layered into that, 
and then you know other other aspects of things which which are being asked to do like oh, what does it mean to do customer experience or CX what is it what is that whole thing and how do I start to layer that in and and then build that as part of my of my leadership that's that's where that came out of is it, it just knowing that number of things that you're expected to know the number of things that you as an agency are expected to do you have to take approach it in a systematic way so part of the leadership of being a CIO is understanding how do I systematically start to address all these different expectations that we have. And all the memos and all the policies, A11, A123, A this, and and, and the like. Chris, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll obviously continue our discussion about the Small Agency CIO Council Handbook. My guest is Chris Chilbert, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's Chief Information Officer and Co-Chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Chilbert, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's CIO and co-chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council. Chris, we're talking today about the new Small Agency CIO and IT Executive Handbook. You and your co-chairman and your team released uh, just uh, earlier this year. And one of the things that that came up, I think, during our con- earlier of our conversation is this is a lot of focus on people maybe who are newer to the role of CIO or newer to the government. As you said, there's about 100 small agencies, small micro agencies, and a lot of those folks have been in their role for quite a long time. So this is not just for the new people. I mean, if, you're, if you've said, well, I've been doing the CIO thing now for five years, this handbook is for you too. That's your goal here. Absolutely. So I think it's always good to go back and, and review and think about what it is, what, it, what are the things that you need to be doing. And this pulls together a lot of information from a lot of different sources to help you do that. The other thing I should also mention is that you know there there is a rec- I think there's increasing recognition within government that hey the, the, that all of these different policies and memos that apply to the large agencies um, they apply to the small agencies as well and then there there's some help that's needed so the federal CIO council has been a great resource to to our small agencies and and, and endorsing the uh, the creation of this this handbook and, and and helping to promote it as well as well as like as mentioned some of the support from GSA so that's some of the drivers there. When you talk about the different sources, because there are these memos like, oh, move to zero trust. Okay. It sounds easy. And like CFPB as an example, and we'll talk about you sure. in your agency later to, in the show, you guys are fairly new. You probably were born in the cloud potentially or soon, but it doesn't mean you can just snap your fingers and have the resources and have the budget. Do you get into kind of like some of the, those thinking about, okay, where can you get resources or how does it work or what does the zero trust mean to you as a small agency beyond the fact of identity management? There's five pillars and the, so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was, that's another a driver of this. One of the things that we also wanted to make sure is that the government isn't trying to resolve the same problem 100 times and we learn from each other. So we try to use this opportunity also to, to, to create and continue to build the community of small agency CAOs connected to the larger federal IT community and the larger federal CIO community. So Zero Trust is a great example of that, right? It is, again, on the, on the surface, it sounds very simple, but in practical terms, it is a little bit more complicated. And so one of the things that we found is certain agencies were out in front and been able to make some pr- uh, progress. And so we were able to help connect some of the, the, the folks that have had some success in that area and had and were further ahead in either awarding contracts or implementing uh, solutions and those type of things. 
And again, we, we try to, to use the CIO Council, the smallest agency CIO Council, to do that. Another thing that's been new in the last few years, and it's not quite so new anymore, is the uh, Technology Modernization Fund, the TMF, right? And so one thing that is, when you look at the, these expectations, it, you know, it requires investment to be able to make them, them work, right? And so I think the TMF has been a great idea to help jumpstart some of those initiatives, Again, as a small agency, even if you've been in your small agency CIO council role or CIO, CIO role for a long time, this is something new for you. So uh, this is also helping to point folks to some of the resources that are available to them to do that. And if you if you look at the TMF, they've made several awards to small agencies to advance things like either the customer experience or things like cybersecurity and zero trust. In fact, the most recent set of awards from July that uh, they announced was uh, NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, got an award, a small agency. We've seen the PRC, the Postal Regulatory Commission, they got an award. So I think there's that focus from the board as well to say, okay, we just can't give everything to the big 24 agencies. It's got to trickle down and trickle far up. But those agencies have got to want to know it's there, understand how it works. And submit good proposals. So I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Have you have you thought about the TMF? Have you, have you thrown any spaghetti against the wall, so to speak? Yeah, we've thought about it. We haven't we haven't made any we within CFPP. We have not yet gone down that route, but but that doesn't mean that we never will. But but there's been a lot of discussion among the small agencies through our CIO small agency CIO council about who is putting things in, what has been successful, what are the best practices for because you want to put together a good business case, and so. I think it's been a it's, it's it's an avenue to share some of what has worked and what has been successful, as well as how do you execute against that too. So that's what the, the the board is looking for. Do you have a good plan? Do you have the ability to execute? And how do you execute against that? And so we've tried to do that as well. The other thing that's, that's tied to that is in in the past, if, you know, if you go back a few years, you know, federal shared services have been up and down. In you know, I, I think that we've reached a state where many of the federal shared services have improved greatly from where they were uh, several years ago. So one of the things that the handbook helps to do and one of the things that the Small Agency uh, CIO Council helps to do is help direct people to where they can get some support. So whether it be things from DHS CISA or things from the Department of Justice or just support from uh, GSA, this helps direct people to where they can you know, find you don't have you don't have to start from scratch to be able to, to implement zero trust or to to improve your cybersecurity. In fact, I was just going to bring that up. What DHS and CISA has shown through their continuous diagnostics and mitigation program is how small agencies can really improve their cybersecurity very quickly through some of those shared services. The, the dashboard. I imagine you all are, are part of that in some way, or maybe will be part of that in some way. Uh, and then also, Justice Department has their SOC as a service. Yep. Again, I know a lot of small agencies are taking advantage of that. It, was that another thing that came up during the discussions and the feedback sessions is, okay, I have these problems. How do I do this without a big budget? Where can I go? And that's where that kind of drove that shared services conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So you're trying to match up. what are So again, we don't want to resolve the same problem over and over again. Good government means that we can learn from one another, right? So it's not about just making one agency great. It's making all the agencies rise at the same time. And so when you see things like the Department of Justice's SOC as a service, that's a, that's a fantastic service. And they've got, I think, 20 or so agencies, soon to be CFPB as well. And, you know, connecting that with these other small agencies and then the TMF conversation starts to say, all right, help you put together the business case and, and get some of the funding if you don't have that available to make those transitions. So that's, it's bringing together those two sides, right? You have a problem, or those three things. You have the, you have a business challenge, 
you have uh, a shared service or capability that may be available to you, and then you have a, a mechanism to go get funding. If I had my breaking news alert, I'd press it right now mm-hmm. because you just made a little news. You're going to move to Justice Stock as a Service. That's that's important to know. Yep. And obviously, it's going to hopefully make your life easier and save you some money. Absolutely. We'll get to that in a little bit. One of the other pieces of, of the Small Agency CIO Handbook I just want to touch upon is the challenges that it's helping to overcome is this understanding of, okay, what do these memos mean to me? Is that a discussion you have at the council generally is, okay, OMB put out this latest memo on – no TikTok on government contractors, right? That's an easy one. Okay, uh, tell my contractors you can't have it on government phones. But there's other memos, and zero trust is the opposite maybe in the spectrum. Where do I start? What do I do? Is that the other thing that the handbook is trying to also address, whether it's FISMA or FedRAMP or all these, again, yeah. we go down the acronym alphabet soup? There is a large number of expectations, like I said, cybersecurity being one dimension of it, but not the only dimension of it that you have to be able to deal with. In addition to things that have been around for a long time, right? Accessibility is very important. So 508 and making sure you can do that, the the customer experience and doing that well, adopting agile methods, right? We've come a long way over the last 10 years, but there's still ways to go. DevSecOps and things like that. All of those are different. All of these things, to some people, there might be just an an acronyms or fads, but many of them have been been proven. Adopting cloud computing, that's something that um, the government has made progress on, and it's something that we also try to support. So it's all of those things that you can think of. Hey, if I were going to manage the technology side of an organization and I have a set of requirements or a set of expectations, how do I – how to work? What can I learn and what can this community offer to me? One thing that I think is really important about this handbook that I don't want to lose sight of is, yes, it's geared towards CIOs, but also, and this is key, other IT executives. Yes. How did you ensure you were writing this in a way that wasn't just going to be, oh, you're a CIO in the club, wink, wink, nod, nod, you understand what I'm talking about, versus people who where I'm the head of privacy, oh, and I also have security, or I'm I'm – the I run this mission area. Oh, by the way, I'm also in charge of the infrastructure because my mission area does eighty takes up eighty percent of the infrastructure or some such thing. How do you make sure you're writing it in a way that everyone can understand it easily? Yeah, this is one of the things that came out as we talked to some of the folks in those roles, right? So some of them, they may even have more of a chief operating officer type of role, more of a broader management role. So things like HR and finance. So we once we got that feedback. We were able to to start to design it to be able to 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 recognize that okay there there may be people coming out of those those areas too, and so we tried to address that. We also tried to uh, come up with some sections that talked about who are those other executives that you're going to have to interact with and how do you interact with right. So it, it is a different situation when you're now in this role, how you deal with maybe the head of HR or finance or uh, your your chief operating officer and those type of things. So we tried to again talk to people that were in those roles, get their feedback, and then incorporate it in. Um, we also considered, even beyond those roles, the fact that there are other uh, councils out there across the federal CIO community. So one one example that's that's been re- a recent example is the, the Chief Data Officer Council, right? So that's you know coming out of the Evidence Act. Everybody has responsibilities for data and managing that, and they have their own handbook as well, so we pointed them to that direction. You have a federal CISO council, right? We wanted to make sure we can provide a connection back to those those councils as well. And many times, it's these small agencies. You're the CIO and you're the CDO, and you may also be the CISO. You wear all right. those hats, and, and sometimes you know those are. It's nice to hold all that kind of 
decision-making power. And sometimes they conflict because, well, we've got to make the data, but I've got to secure the data. And how do I secure the data while I'm making the data accessible? And, and you kind of, you, that's a circle that you have to kind of yeah, run. And- <laughs> yeah, it is. You have a lot, you know, know several people that have, yeah, I'm, they, depending on the day, they'll, they'll describe themselves with a different, uh, with a different title. So that's something that we wanted to be able to address as well. That's also helped you know, expand as we, as we went through this, as I mentioned, we thought it was going to be a lot smaller than it turned out to be. And as we started to you know, go down different avenues, we, we, we realized we had to address some of these different, uh, these different avenues. Chris, we'll take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump into maybe some of those other priorities of the Small Agency Council. Then we'll talk about CFPB a bit, too. My guest today is Chris Gilbert, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's CIO and the co-chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Gilbert, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's Chief Information Officer and co-chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council. Chris, we've been talking a lot about the handbook uh, that you all put out just recently for small agency CIOs and other IT executives. Just one last thing on this that occurred to me that I just want you to touch upon. Anytime you put out a handbook, it's old the next day, right? You drive off the lot with your brand new car and you've lost 20% of the value or something. (laughs) Not that there's no value in your handbook, but how are you going to keep it updated? How do you make it a living document? And then how do you also make sure besides talking to folks like myself, folks know it exists and it's, it's a good resource for them? Great. Well, you know, that's part of the reason I'm here today, right, to, to help uh, advertise it. But we do use the small – we meet as a small agency CEO council about quarterly. And so uh, sometimes we'll do it more frequently if there's other topics that, that, that comes up. Um, we work – as I mentioned, we work closely with the Office of Government-Wide Policy and GSA, and they've been a really good partner in helping us keep it up. So we, we intend to continue that partnership to make sure that we can uh, keep it fresh. And we're still working through the specifics on how that would look and what you know, what that would feel like. But um, you know, again, it's only a few months old at this stage, so we'll we'll continue to uh, think about how we update it. Um, some of the other things though, that we are you know, that we'll be thinking about is um, again, how do we continue to build the community, and how do we continue to communicate um, as new requirements come out, and as we have to start to as some of the dates that come closer to Im- implement some of the memos and other aspects of things like the cybersecurity executive order. Uh, just to make sure that we are sharing as much information as we can. We also try to bring together folks that are managing either government-wide programs or government-wide shared services and introduce them to the CIOs in the community, and so we want to do more of that. We are just one of several CIO uh, subcommittees for the federal CIO councils, and so one of the things I think that we will be looking at doing as well is to start to connecting the small agencies to some of that work as well, since there's a lot of good work going on across the board. So those are some of the some of the things that we are we're going to be doing with the Small Agency Seattle Council. I know it feels like you just got this done. It's a, always a heavy lift because it's, you know, other duties as assigned. You're, you're a full-time CIO and then also put together this handbook. So I know it's maybe a little bit unfair to ask you how you can update it, but things change so quickly. I mean, right. like the TikTok for contractors is a funny aside. That should be added because that's a big deal. I mean, you've got to know what apps are on your GFEs and, and the contractors are using, how it connects back to government data. And we're going to see some changes probably coming up from Congress, whether in a probes or defense authorization bill that could flow down to you all as well. So that's why yeah. it's, no, a, and we it's a living have, document. It's right. got to be. Yeah, it's a living document. It's also an active community. So we do have a listserv that people can, if you are a small agency at Seattle Council, you can you go to the website. You can also reach out to us. We can add you. And there's a lot of communication that happens uh, just via email. How did you implement that, right? So again, it's a simple, simple concept. But sometimes, and to continue to manage those things, and you have there's there's different ways to do it, and, and we want to find the the best way to do it. And I've 
followed this closely enough over the years to know that the CIO Small Agency CIO Council kind of ebbs and flows with leadership. Yourself and, and the and the gentleman from OMB, Tony McDonald. Tony, yes. thank you. Obviously, are, are, are out in front, but we've seen years where the agency council got very quiet and, and wasn't sure if they were doing anything, if the if people just got too busy, or for whatever other reasons that came up. So it's great to see that. Obviously, you guys are, are, are out there and being active and really helping out the community. I want to shift over to your other hat, which is the, your main hat, which is uh, the CIO of CFPB. Uh, let's just jump right in. You mentioned uh, Justice Department stock as a service moving there. Uh, I'm sure there's uh, stuff to talk about Zero Trust as well. But what are some of your priorities? What are you working on over the next six or nine months? I'll categorize in three big buckets, all right? So first is cybersecurity and implementing the cybersecurity executive order. And there's a lot underneath that. So I'll just you know, pause on that for a second. So then the second is cloud migration. As you mentioned, we are a newer agency. And so we were Worn in the cloud in many cases, but we do have some – we have a lot of work in that area too. And then in the third is applications to implement – we call it we call it RegTech. So we are an agency that collects data from various sources, and so we are modernizing our applications and how we both collect the data and then how do we share that data with, with others. Well, let's jump right into the cyber side since that there's a lot to unpack there. We know zero trust is a big focus area for this administration. We know cyber has been a big focus area for the last – for administrations probably. What are you doing around the zero trust modernization? What are you doing in SOC as a service? Maybe start there. What, what's sure. the migration? What was the thought process to, to decide that's the right shared service? SOC as a service uh, from the Department of Justice, well, one of the things we looked at is that's a shared service that's being used by several agencies, I think almost two dozen that are very similar size to us. And what when, when we when we did our analysis and we looked at the capabilities they had versus the capabilities trying to trying to improve what we already had from scratch, it was, it was a very cost-effective way to, to go about doing that. So it was a, it was somewhat of a no-brainer to be able to go down that route. And, you know, we talked to other agencies that were using it, and they were very happy with it. So that was one. And, and you know, we found out about that through the Small Agency CIO Council. Uh, and so that was helpful. Another aspect of it, though, so, you know, we, they talk about the SOC as a service. There are other services which helped implement the Zero Trust through that shared service. So that's what we're also using. So in addition to SOC as a service, uh, Department of Justice has a service. The acronym is JETS. I think it's Judge, uh, the Justice Edge uh, Trust Services, which, which effectively uh, implements some of the network aspects of, of Zero Trust. So it's using capability from Zscaler, and we are looking to – where we are in the process of migrating to that capability, which will, again, provide – um, a significant uh, aspect or significant portion of the journey of zero trust, which is you know we know is it's many things. So that's that's one. Of, those, are, those are two of our big things that are ongoing through this this calendar year. Without getting into some of the sensitivities, is it difficult to move to a shared service? Is there a cultural change that you have to get with your folks to be like it's okay that we can't see the the server that the security is providing or however you do it? And then is it also a technology challenge or is it more one or the other? I think it's a little little bit of both, right? So anytime that you're doing something that's different and you're changing how people's jobs and what they're responsible for, so there's going to be some uncertainty there. And so there's also, um, you know, people have pride in what they do. And so, and, and then and understanding that, you know, moving there isn't a reflection on, the, and, and the work that they do, but it's a it's a recognition of we don't need to start this from scratch and build this ourselves, and it's a recognition of that your services and capabilities are still needed, and so how do we develop and grow people and and to, to take a sometimes a more strategic role uh, from a technology side, 
Yeah, there are technical challenges, right? So it's it, and there are things that we have to you work through and and you have to identify. And for ours, there haven't been any major roadblocks because of we are highly in the cloud already. But there are things that we have to we have to continuously work through. Some other agencies that have you know may, maybe have an older infrastructure may have had a more difficult challenge in in, in doing that. So it's a, it's not that it's it's not like it's a light lift, but it is something that is it's certainly technically feasible given where we were. No. Did you have a SOC or did you have SOC services of sorts? We did. We did have SOC services and we continue to use some of those as well. This just the, the SOC as a service increases the capabilities. And again, when we when we looked at the capabilities that we wanted to have and we felt that we needed to have and we compared, all right, what if we just add on to what we have or do we do we migrate over? So when we, we, we when we did that analysis, we found that going to that shared service was would be the be, the best way to go. Is it more cost avoidance or cost savings or both? It's cost avoidance for doing that. It's you know it's you know the probably the absolute cost might be a little bit more, but the unit cost would be better moving to the shared service. And that's what you hear most of the time in cloud or, or the service. There's always the upfront cost may be a little bit more, or the long term cost may, but the the amount of service you're getting is well worth it. Right, and also probably. Make lets you sleep a little bit at night, so yeah. you don't have to worry so much about are we getting affected by the next quote unquote solar winds type of attack or colonial right. pipeline or whatever the next one is. Yeah, and there's another aspect of it is it is it proven right? So again, we weren't the first. You know, sometimes it's all being a first adopter can be tough, but when you're when you know that there are you know a couple dozen agencies ahead of you and that they're highly satisfied and then that's working really well, that gives you a lot more confidence that this is the way to go. Just to further down that path of zero trust and, and the like, one of the bigger areas that when I talk to CIOs, we hear a lot about is identity and access management. Yep. Uh, I always like to say, well, didn't we have that back in you know 2004 called HSPD-12? And people always kind of look at me sideways. Are you, do you guys have a ICAM already in place that is meets most of all of the requirements or is that another priority area that you're, you're looking down that? Yeah, no, that's part of it. So when we look at zero trust, so we actually have a zero trust – strategy and a program plan. And we broke that down into, I think we have two dozen to three dozen projects that we broke it into. Just one of those is the, is the Zscaler aspect of it. But we do have an IQ, we have a fairly strong ICAM team and we've been using it, but it's a matter of uh, when you look at zero trust, it's actually extending it to a, to a much greater degree, right? So you're looking at individual applications and indiv- you have to understand what your data sets are, where they are, what's the sensitivity, who should have access and how are we providing multi-factor authentication to each of those, right? So it's a much more in-depth use and increased use of that. You know, I, I mentioned, too, I remember very well the day, August 27, 2004, when HSBs 11 and 12 came out. So it's been a long journey, but it's, you know, the world is dynamic, technology is dynamic, the threats are, are changing. You know, every day you, you see new ones. So this isn't something that is, is, is ever going to be very static. It's something that you're always looking at how do you improve. Hey, Chris, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. My guest today is Chris Chilbert, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau CIO and co-chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Chilbert, the Chief Information Officer of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and co-chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council. From a small agency perspective, since this is kind of the theme of the conversation, is does zero trust and meeting the goals of it? And again, we you can put a new name on it next week. Comply to connect to right. use for years. It's all, all very similar. Does it present you with any different challenges than a large agency? I mean, since you kind of been have experience in both, and I know you didn't have zero trust experience in the previous agency, right. HHS. I think. Did you get a sense that like? 
this is harder for us because of these reasons or vice versa. This is actually easier for us because we're smaller and we only have 20 databases instead of right. 2,000 or something. Well, we have, a, we have a fairly large footprint. But as I mentioned before, this is also ties to that second priority I, I, that I mentioned is cloud computing, right? So one of the things that I think we have an advantage is that we aren't maintaining a large mainframe that we're trying to figure out how do we migrate. We have an environment where we use various cloud platforms. So we have case management type of system to support our enforcement and supervision work and our consumer complaints work that, that is in Salesforce. We have internal management capabilities and workflow to manage our processes on ServiceNow and Microsoft and you know, productivity applications on Microsoft 365. And then we have some, our website is managed at Amazon Web Services and we have another major application on there as well. And we have some new applications that we're building out and we're going to migrate over. So having a lot of a cloud presence makes it somewhat easier to be able to implement those Z-Scalers, some of those capabilities. We do have, have a very close partnership with our uh, chief data officer, Renacine, we have a, you know, with our, between our teams. So we maintain a good inventory of what our data sets are and what our data assets are and where they are, um, So, which is, which is part of it as well. So um, in some ways, I think it's easier because we have less of that legacy that you, that you have to, to modernize first. But you know, the, the overall challenge is very similar. And let's talk a little bit about the cloud migration. You went through kind of where things are at today. Are most of those – sounds like they're on modern applications or modern platforms at least, but maybe the applications are getting a little bit long in the tooth because, correct me if I'm wrong, CFPB is 13, 12 years old? Yeah, we're about 12 years. I think this July will be 12 years. And yeah. so this is some of the advantage that we have. So many of those applications were built on some of these platforms – you know, one of my goals is never to have something called CFBB transformation, right? It's a continuous process. We, we can continuously make improvements, and you're really outcome-focused. How do we make our examiners more effective, right? We just launched a new uh, application uh, targeted towards our bank examiners uh, last week. Um, how do we make our, the folks doing enforcement more effective? And so, um, and then even, you know, there's, a, there's an application that's in our uh, Amazon uh, platform, the the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act uh, database, that that is, you know, in many senses, one of the more modern applications you ever see around government. It was built on containers, right? It's, it's you know, uses microservices, all the different buzzwords, but we have continuously made small improvements to it as you go. The other area, though, in terms of migrating to the cloud that we're focused on is for data analytics, right? So in addition to those public cloud-based platforms, we have maintained a private cloud for data analytics. We are now in the process of moving that into Amazon Web Services, and we're using products such as Snowflake and Databricks to, to enhance our ability to, to analyze that data. Where are you with that? Might as well just ask now. Sure. Is, is, is it past the acquisition strategy? Uh, we're past, yeah, we're not. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're past the acquisition strategy for all of that. We have, we, we have um, authority operate for Snowflake and for Databricks. We have our environment set up. It's a matter of migrating the data. And then it's, and then it's a matter of how do we actually make the best use of it? How do we, and then my goal is always to be the model agency, right? So we want to be setting the example for how, what should be done because we're a newer agency. We have an enormously talented team within our, within the CFPB from a technology perspective. And I think that we have an opportunity to really show what, what can be done with the cloud. And, and so also, somewhere that just just internal to um, how we operate, it's 
Um, some of it's it's a, it's less glamorous. It's more like how do you have more? How do you, how can you just get better about using these tools? How can you have more discipline? How can you, m- you know, move more effectively and more efficiently? You know, you want to ha- you want to you know demonstrate you know, really good cybersecurity, and you want to be able. To, I, I really believe that we can be just as effective in any private sector organization you know, if we uh, do this well. Um, you know, we focus on things like customer. Uh, uh, experience and user research and applying design thinking to everything that we do. And if you go to our, our website, consumerfinance.gov, you'll see a very modern website that is managed and, and mostly developed by federal employees. One of the things is you talk about being in the cloud, the cost. And there's always the concern because you hear this time and again from a lot of agencies, paying for cloud services is so difficult in the government. How, how have you managed that piece of it? And again, I know you work with your CFO closely probably, right. but, but that seems as an agency who is maybe more in the cloud than others, how have you balanced the, the cost issue, the pay-by-the-drink issue, and then also the data egress costs? There's always concerns that right. you put so much data in and you're paying so much to get it out. Yeah, that's a, those are always you know, big challenges. I think that, that uh, you know, it's easy to jump really into the weeds when you get into some of those challenges. And some of the but, – but I think the bottom line is, is that uh, when you – Look at how do you manage that. You have to recognize there is a difference between paying for a service and you know and buying something and then using it until you fill it up or to use it up. Right. So when you look at uh, say a non-premise type of environment, you you may have a certain amount of storage, it's a fixed amount, or a certain amount of compute capability, and you tend to just you know, keep using it until it's used up. Um, managing in the cloud is more. Um, it's either a subscription based, right? So for many of the licenses are not you know manage the same way that they are in the on-prem environment or using those, um, those capabilities. Um, you know, this is something that you have to train your people really to, to do. And so um, I didn't mention this as one of our, our, um, our major initiatives, but we, we are doing something internally we call Developing Me in 23, right? So we, we have a platform for doing training on, in cloud computing um, it's called Cloud Academy that every single one of our folks within our uh, technology organization has an account on. Um, we use a, a approach called FinOps, if you're familiar with that. And so we've been uh, trying to really understand how do you how do you manage those costs in the cloud? And I think that some of the you know some of what you mentioned um, needing to use it all within the, the within the year. I think. Most agents, many agencies, I think, have figured that out because it's not about spending all your money within the year. It's about obligating it to a contract, which is a very esoteric type of thing. But there's there's ways to manage that that you can you can uh, you can you can do. But it's it's uh, yeah, it, you you really just have to take the time to train your people and to learn what it means and how these things work. And and as I mentioned, have those partnerships not only with your CFO and your chief procurement officer, and also with the business side, so they understand the differences too. Chris, unfortunately, we're out of time. I've very much enjoyed our conversation. So let me thank my guest. Chris Gilbert is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's Chief Information Officer and the co-chairman of the Small Agency CIO Council. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. Great to catch up. Thank you, Jason. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 